Let me share something with you right quick that's been on my heart. You know the scripture in the book of Philippians that said, For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. In the context of that book, the Apostle Paul was talking to people that had sown into his ministry. The Apostle Paul was a missionary, and he traveled. And one of the things he told the Philippian church, he said, you were one of the only churches, I'm paraphrasing it, you were, on only, you were one of the only churches that communicated with me. In other words, that gave into my ministry. They sold into Paul's ministry, and the Apostle Paul went on to tell them that they were partakers of uh, the, 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 the anointing, the blessings that was upon them. They were partakers of that because they had sown into his ministry. And he said that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. I said that to say this, is that when we quote that scripture, that scripture is not for everybody. It's for those that sow into the man or woman God's life. That's what it's for. When you sow into their lives, you become, especially sow into the work that they're doing, you become partakers of the anointing that's upon their lives. Amen? That's just something that I just felt like I needed to say, is that we have a pastor unlike any other. I'm telling you what I know. Bishop Jackson is the humblest man, and I've been up under man of God that I thought the world of, and I still think the world of him. He died in 1994. Still think the world of him. He was a, a, a prophet, and I had, you know, and I thank God I was spoiled because that's the only ministry I had been up under, so I thought everybody was like that. And when I realized that everybody is not a prophet, everybody don't do things like he did it, you know. But I had to realize so I'm spoiled, and the Lord knows that. So I was real particular about joining the ministry, particular about it. And when the Lord sent us here, Bishop Jackson, the most humblest man I've ever met in my life, I'll be honest with you. He's so humble. But he's such a man of integrity. And I thank God for Bishop Jackson this morning. Amen. And that's why when we would talk about, when, when all I got to hear Bishop say is, I want or I desire. I want this done, and I'm on it. But that is the sign of a mighty man of valor. It was the mighty man of valor that heard David say, Oh, that I had water out of the well of Bethlehem. And they risked their lives to go get that water for David. Mighty men of valor. Bishop don't have to say, You got to do this. You bet. He ain't got to say that. All he got to say is, I want this. And you'll be trying to find a way to get it done. All Bishop had to say is, I need this done. Now, people often, you know, they laugh at me and they call me the, what they call me, the Jamaican, Jamaican preacher. <laughs> but that comes from whatever I see needs to be done that will help the ministry. I'm willing to get my hands into it. And, and, and if that's playing a good time, I wish I could, I wish I could clone myself because I played a good time drums and they clone the same time, you know. I, I, I just want to see this ministry grow. I also, when I was over there, and we, Bishop prophesied earlier this year, before the year came in, that God was going to fill this house. The Lord was saying to me over there, he said that one, what I have done 
was made the con- I, I made the atmosphere conducive. So all you got to do is invite somebody. You don't have to make nobody come. Just invite them. God has made it. When Bishop prophesied that, now God has made it conducive for you to just invite somebody. Just talk to them. You don't have to, you don't have to twist their arm to come. The atmosphere is conducive. Now why? Because the man of God has put the word out there in the atmosphere. And because we are members of the body, all we got to do now, open our mouths. All we got to do, because somebody's going to ask you, what church you go to? You know? And so we have to be looking for those uh, opportunities. You know, when somebody mentioned, I uh, missed the opportunity not too long ago. Woman hit my car. And for some reason, I can't tell you why, I just felt, I missed it, Brother Trevor. For some reason, I just felt like I was talking to the woman, and I could tell she was a Christian. And I said, ma'am, I said, you sound like you're a Christian. And she said, yes, I am. And she hit my car pretty good. My door was in the car. And scrapped my car up. So that that thing you see on my car is not because I can't drive it. She hit me. And she got out, and I knew that if I reported it to the the police, the police came. And I asked him, if you fill out a report, we'll just go to the state. He says, going to the state. And I said, don't worry about it. We're, we're talking out among ourselves. So I talked to the woman. Anyway, the devil got in the midst of that thing, and uh, they gave me the run around. I forget about it, you know. Uh, you know, I ain't going to worry about it. You know, I, it, it, it'll get fixed. But I miss God's opportunity to tell you how. I'm talking to the woman, and I told her, I say, I go to Tabernacle of Praise in York. And I said, what church you go to? She said, well, we don't have a church home right now. And Brother Trevor, I didn't even invite him. Now, I'm not asking God to let my car get hit again. <laughs> Next time, I'm going to take advantage of that. It was, it, it was the situation. It was, she a whole family. We're not, we don't have a church home right now, and I missed it. So I'm not going to miss it again, Brother Carl. As a matter of fact, if they call me again, I'm going to listen, y'all ain't even got to get the car. Just come to church with me. You ain't got to get the car fixed. Okay? But my point is, let's be looking for Bishop, listen. When he prophesied, the atmosphere now is conducive for us to just open our mouths, okay? As I said all that, and I, I, I just felt like I need to say that. But um, I want to give honor to our first lady as well. My wife called me yesterday and was saying the good time y'all was having, and I was a little jealous. Going to movies together and eating out together. I know we, we've done it. The men have done it. But uh, yesterday would have been nice. And then she told me they went to see the Tyler Perry movie and how that she just wept and all that stuff. And I'm not that I want to cry, but a little tear or two would have been all right. <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> Tyler Perry don't usually do good movies, but that was a good movie. From, from what I understand, it was a good movie. And it was just good to hear that the women had gotten out and enjoyed, uh, enjoyed uh, uh, each other on yesterday. So we want to give honor to our first lady and all whom honor is due today. Um, what I want to talk about today is about bearing fruit. The Lord began to share some things with me about bearing fruit. And this is what our theme is for the year. We're saying God blessed them and God said unto them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and told them to have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowls of the air, and everything that creepeth upon the earth and told them to subdue the earth and, 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 and to have dominion over it. And so we wanted to talk about that. I wanted to go back to that. Uh, uh, but I wanted to bring in some other things when it comes to bearing fruit. 
Okay? Let us pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we thank you and we praise you for your loving kindness and for your tender mercies. Lord God, I am just a vessel that you separated from my mother's womb. And you knew why, Lord God. I don't dare uh, stand here thinking that I can do anything in and of myself. I know that it's you and you have your ways to keep us humble. So humbly, oh God, I ask that you will have your way, that you will use me as you see fit, and that I will uh, speak a word, Lord, with clarity, that your people may be blessed, that they may see what I'm trying to say. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verse 16. And after you get that particular scripture, it'll go to the book of St. John, the 15th chapter, and I'll be reading a little bit there. Uh, my anointing uh, is that of a teacher. And so you know when I, when I, when I, when I bring a message, I'm going to do a little reading there because uh, I, I got to put it in context. I like to go a little bit ahead of it and a little bit after it so I can read it in context, okay? So John, the 15th chapter, we'll be reading verse 1 through 16. Uh, Revelation 22nd chapter verse uh, 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto, the, testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version of uh, John, the 15th chapter, verse 1 through 16. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off, takes away, he, he, uh, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are clean and pruned already because of the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as the branch can uh, bear fruit, just, just as the branch, just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in being vitally united to the vine, Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whosoever lives in me and I in him beareth much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you live in me, abide vitally, uh, uh, vitally united to me, and my words remain in you, you shall continue to live. You shall remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. When you bear, produce much fruit. My Father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove yourself to be true followers of mine. I have loved you just as the Father has have loved me. Abide in my love, a continual in my love with me. If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instruction, 
you will abide in my love and live on in it. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commandment and I live on in his love. I have told you these things, that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness might be a full, might be a full measure and complete and overflowing. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love, no one has shown strong affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing the things which I command you to do. I do not call you servants, slaves any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, what his master is working out. But I have called you my friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. I have revealed to you everything that I have learned from him. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and appointed you. That I have planted you. That you might go and bear fruit and, and keep on bearing. And that your fruit may be lasting that it may remain abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, as presenting all that I am, he may give it you. What I like to use for a, um, as a topic here uh, today is a, the fruitful state. The fruitful state. Uh, state, the meaning of state, is a condition or mode of being as with regard to circumstances. It is a condition of being in a stage or form as of structure, growth, or development, such as a fetal state. I got this here. There's a difference between a tree and a vine. This here, if I can get somebody to hold this for me. I cut this out of my backyard. And this right here was what was coming out of the ground, and I cut it with some pruning uh, shears that I have. And if you see, this is not like a tree. It's different than a tree. In that this had wrapped around the fence in my yard. It had grown all over the place, actually. This was what it was connected to as far as the root. All of these right here is the fruit or the, the branches that was branching out from this. You see what I'm saying? Now, and, I, and I, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself, but then I, I'll come back to this. This particular branch is connected and is receiving its nu nutrients, it's receiving its life from this root here. Now, one of the problems that we have is that this branch could actually have a blockage in it. And the blockage is, it may not be noticeable to the ones on the outside. And one of the problems is, and it's a, it's a thing that we have to be careful with, is that it don't immediately fall, even though it's being blocked. Keep that in mind as we go, thank you, Elder, as we go forward. All right. Um, it is vitally important that a branch stays connected to the vine. You know, Jesus even said, John said of Jesus, he said, 
that we have fellowship with the Lord as long as we are walking in light just as he is in the light. But when we start walking in darkness, he said that we no longer have fellowship. We say, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, I learned something yesterday while I was putting this together. Thank God the Holy Ghost showed me something. That just because fellowship is broken don't mean the branch is broken off. That could be something blocking you. You still in Christ. We used to sing when I was a young Christian, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ forever. Nothing can pluck me out of his hand. I'm in Christ forever. And it's true. Because that, that branch can be in the vine, but that can be a problem. You're still in him, but you're not growing. There's been a problem that's stopping you from growing. And it's not evident right away. The branch being connected to the vine is a necessity. There could be no hope of godly fruit bearing without the New Testament saint being connected to the vine. Notice not just in the vine, but the true vine. In this essence, or in this particular scripture, True refers to that which is essentially true, visible fact to its underlining reality that emphasizes the integrity of what is true down to the inner makeup reality of truth. So in other words, Jesus is saying that he is the vine of reality. He is the vine of reality, and a lot of times... Uh, we have a tendency to think what we see is reality. But what we see is not necessarily reality. Reality, Bishop always tells us, reality is in the realm of the spirit. God is reality. He's what's real. What we have here is maybe a copy of the real. I asked my church school class one day, I say, are there any animals in heaven? And they got a blank face there. And they, 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 and I, I try to get them ready for Bishop, because Bishop asked you something, if you look blank face, he's he, he going to come at you even harder. <laughs> I say, are there any animals in heaven? And I say, there are animals in heaven. And they got quiet. I prove it in Scripture. You remember when Elijah was in the valley, him and his servant, and they were surrounded by the Syrians? Anybody remember that? And you remember the Syrian, the, 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 um, the servant cried out, Oh man of God, oh man of God, what should we do? And Elijah told him, Fear not, for there'll be more with us than with them. And he asked the Lord to open. Open the servant's eyes that he may see. And when the Lord opened the servant's eyes, he saw angels riding horses. Now, scientists do believe that there is a parallel dimension to this dimension. 
And I don't think they're wrong. I think that earth is running parallel with heaven. I do think that. Jesus revealed in this particular passage that the New Testament saints ability to bear the kind of fruit that God the husbandman desires is directly contingent upon being connected unto or be or to put it more accurate to be in him. This particular oh God I don't want to get ahead of myself. This particular branch is in the vine. It's in him. It's in the vine. And guess when it was in the vine? When the vine sprang up out of the earth. It was in the vine. But it was only manifested as, it, as the vine grew. Oh, God, can I? Oh, I want to give you my, oh, Lord Jesus. I can't give you my climax because it'll mess it up. But I'll give you my climax and then I'll go back to it. When God raised Jesus, that's why I say he's the root and the offspring of David. When God raised Jesus up from the dead, he was the seed that was planted. And God brought him out of the grave and he was raised with every man, woman, boy, and girl in him. You just have to acknowledge that you're in him. He is the true vine. And we are in him. Listen to this. On the surface, uh, it would appear that it's enough and, and we should get excited about uh, just being in him. Sounds good. However, you can be connected to the vine, but as I uh, before I stated, there could be a blockage. That's why the husbandman is there, to remove anything that's hindering the life flow from getting to the branches. His desire is that the branch bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. That's why even when uh, that branch is being fruitful, Jesus goes on to say that he prunes it. He cuts it back. And a lot of times when you're being cut back, you may think that God is mad with you. You've done something wrong. And it's not that you've done anything wrong, it's that you're doing something good. But God will cut you back. Why? So you can bear more fruit. And the state where he wants you is that you're bearing much fruit. That's where he wants you to get to. That's where he wants us to get to. The where we are bearing much fruit. But when we go home and we pout because we're being cut back, one of the things the Holy Ghost said about the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt, he said, I was grieved with that generation. And he said, for they have not known my ways. In Psalms 103, the Bible said that he showed his acts to the children of Israel, and he showed Moses his ways. Remember what Moses asked the Lord? Show me your glory. And you remember when God showed Moses his glory, what he said to him? When he, when he, when he made his goodness pass before Moses, he's, he's talked about him being full of compassion, ready to forgive. But he said he would not in any, any way uh, 
pardon those that are guilty. But why when Moses asked to see his glory, why would the Lord pass by him and call his name and say, Behold, you know, and he called his name and he said, Full of compassion. Full of ready to forgive. Why would the Lord say that? What they have to do with his glory? Except his glory is connected to his goodness. In his goodness, the Lord makes that goodness, his life, flow through his son. It's in his son. The goodness of God is in his son. The life of God, because everything, see, God, it's not that God has love. He is love. He is goodness. He is peace. He is long-suffering. Listen. He said, every branch in me that bears fruit. He said, uh, you know, the Father will cut it back. He said, but if there's a branch in me that's not bearing fruit, he said that the Father will take it away. I don't think the Bible teaches that you lose your salvation when fellowship is broken. The immediate danger is that life from the root ceases and that branch begins to wither and eventually dies. Notice if we consider and learn from the natural, the branch does not immediately fall from the vine. The only person that knows that the life flow has been hindered is God, who is the husbandman, and the branch itself. There might be some block branches in here today. You must ask yourself, is there anything in my life that's blocking the, blocking the life, the agape of God, from getting to me? You might be asking yourself, how can I know if I'm being blocked, if something is blocking me? If there's no blockage, then growth coupled with fruit bearing is evident. Not just to the branch, but to those who are on the outside. If you are not bearing fruit, it may be that the blockage has occurred. As I'm writing this, and this was yesterday, as I'm writing this, I hear the Lord impressing that uh, many things, many blockages were taught to us and impressed upon us, and therefore we have become accustomed to them, and we have come to think that they're part of the process. That's why we have to make sure we're connected to the true vine and not what was taught to us. These people were more noble than those of Thessalonica, and that they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were true. Whatever the old people told you, whatever grandma told you, check it by scripture and make sure it is true because it could be a blockage. Grandmama meant well, but it could be a blockage. Granddad meant well, but it could be a blockage. How do we get more acquainted with, or what do we have to do that this life flow of God is not hindered in us? Job, the 22nd chapter, verse 21, it says, Acquaint thyself with the Almighty, or acquaint thyself with him, and be at peace. Thereby good, or life, shall come unto thee. Acquaint thyself with him and be at peace. 
Don't you know that growth comes when you're at, at peace? I always say this, and I, 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 and I think I'm right. The kingdom is obtained through violence, but it's established in peace. And the reason I say that, because David fought and he conquered and got many, much territory, much plunder for the kingdom. When Solomon came to the throne, he had no war at all. The kingdom was established under Solomon. Now, the word acquaint means to uh, be familiar with, serviceable to, to cherish, to be customary. Now, to simplify the word law, let's get to the essence of what law means. Jesus revealed in Scripture when asked by the Pharisees, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, and all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. But the Apostle Paul as well said that love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So when Job, or when the, the, the man said in the book of Job, acquaint thyself with the Almighty and be familiar and, and uh, be at peace with him, and uh, thereby, thereby good should come unto thee. And he goes on to say, receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his word in thine heart. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. My, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not be blocked that there would be no blockage. Paul later sums up in, in Romans that we just said, that love worketh no ill. If we are truly acquainted with God, then we will be attempting to pattern our lives after him. A person who is acquainted with God, with the God of the Bible, will in some fashion begin to look like him, think like him, and talk like him. What do I mean when I say look like him? The, uh, uh, you, you, no man has ever seen God, but we know that he's love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We know this. So when you are a person of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, when you are a person of those attributes, you look like God. You look like God when you are a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. But to be acquainted with God does not come naturally. The, the process must be planned and followed after diligently. Uh, we must become intimate with God if we are to uh, uh, bear fruit. We got to become intimate. Let's look at two methods that the Christian bear fruit. Uh, the one I just want to deal with right now, and that is a woman wound being impregnated with a child. The Bible calls that fruit of the womb. And in Psalms 127, verse 3, it says the fruit of the womb is God's reward. God gives a reward to the person in that they are able to produce fruit from the womb. That's God's reward. 
to give birth to something that has never existed before. Just as a man and a woman's union gives birth to a person unlike any other on earth, so that that you and God produce, when you and God come together, you, 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 you can produce something that never existed before. But also, uh, you cannot produce anything unless you are in union with God, and what you produce with God is unique. So what you bring to the body of Christ is unique to the body of Christ. Nobody else can do it. Just like me and my wife, uh, our union uh, 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 produced a child unlike any other on earth. Her fingerprint is different. Her DNA is different. When you produce uh, 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 something in your spiritual womb with God, it's different. So when you are out of place and you don't become impregnated with anything, and there's no barrenness in God. God don't want any barrenness in the, the body of Christ. Everybody has the opportunity to, be, to become impregnated because we are in union with him. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Reward for what? Your diligence. We just sung as a tree, I mean, as a deer, Painted after the water brook. God's reward for you painting after him, chasing after him, uh, is you being impregnated with what you desire. You want to produce something that God has shown you in the spirit. Listen, it goes on to say that the children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the wound is his reward. The problem existing in the body of Christ is immaturity. The uh, maturity level becomes obvious when we look at what's important to, the, to that particular thing. Childhood is a stage that some people are at. At the childhood stage, there are, uh, these are the people who are dependent upon others to care for them because they have not learned to care for themselves. They are the ones who ask, what shall I eat? What should I drink? What should I put on? They depend on others to do these things for them. Nothing wrong with this stage as long as a person do not stay in this stage. The next stage is a, a, a youth, adolescence. This person is more focused on self. Young people experiencing profound physical changes, rapid growth and development. This is a time of discovery and testing and finding out life's boundaries. Nothing wrong with this stage. This stage focuses on self. Nothing wrong with it. You can't stay there, though. Adulthood. This is the stage that the person is focused on settling down and being productive. They are more in touch with, with, with who they are as well as developing intimate relationships. Produ producing is a key sign uh, of this stage of life. Adulthood is the stage where a person uh, becomes intimate, and that intimacy produces something in their womb. Now, when men fail, 
because of his disobedience back in the book of Genesis, the curse which God pronounced on man is significant. I'm referring to them as man, to my Adam and Eve, for revelatory purposes. You see, uh, the scripture says in Genesis 1, 17-19, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he, him, male and female. Now God said to Adam uh, in uh, verse 17, uh, curse us the ground, I think of the second chapter, curse us the ground for your sake. In sorrow shall ye eat of it all the days of your life. Now this is after God had said, he blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and multiply, and told them to replenish the earth, and tell them to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the power of the air, and told them to subdue. This, after God had blessed them, he come back and told Adam, curse is the ground for your sake. Now, if you notice, he did not curse Adam directly. He cursed a process that he had given to Adam. He went on to told, uh, told Adam, say, thorns and thistles shall the ground bring forth. Also, he said, thorns also and thistles shall the ground bring forth. And you shall eat the plants of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it were you taken for dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. So you see that God has cursed the process that he had given to Adam. He told the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In sorrow, notice the connection. He told Adam, in sorrow shall you eat of the ground. He told the woman, in sorrow shall you bring forth children. He didn't say she wouldn't be able to bring forth children. Say, in sorrow, should you bring forth children. Notice, the curse upon Adam hit the heart of the purpose God had given to him. And that purpose was to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, to till the ground of the garden and to keep it uh, that it may yield its fruit to him. This process was to be one of great success. There was no such thing as a bad harvest. Now, the curse stated that the thorns and thistles, or briars, would be part of the process after Adam failed. The earth, the earth uh, God had created up to this point had no curse associated with it. God told man to be fruitful and multiply, to replenish the earth. However, um, though not seen immediately in Scripture, man would eventually have to deal with uh, issues such as droughts, floods, uh, swarming insects, and etc. By cursing the ground, it appears that the message God wanted mankind to be reminded of generation after generation, that sin invites curses, misery, and anguish. Man would come to realize that independence from God leads to a struggle for existence and to be anxious about life. Both processes, man causing the earth uh, to yield its fruit and woman giving birth, would no longer respond to just the work which man would provide, but it would now require labor. A difference between work and labor. Work, the definition of work, is the transfer of energy from one object to another, especially in order to make the second object move in a certain direction. Work at work is equal to the amount of force multiplied by the distance over which the force is applied. For example, Force is 
uh, measured in uh, 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 a form of measurement they call newtons, okay? For example, if 10 newtons are applied to an object and it pushed the object at a distance of three yards, the work is equal to 30 newtons per yard. So you see there's no labor involved, just work. Water flowing through a pipe is not labor, it works. The pipe is in place and it works. But when you start talking about labor, labor, the definition of labor is physical or mental exertion, especially when, dif especially when difficult or exhausting. The, the process by which the birth of a mammal occurs, beginning with the contraction of the uterus and ending with the expulsion of the fetus and the placenta. The process by which the birth, um, oh, the good news, I'm sorry. The good news is that Christ has reversed this curse. It has been done away with. And I know someone might be saying, wait a minute, uh, women still go through labor pain when she's giving birth and bringing forth children into the world. Uh, but you must remember in this redemptive plan of God that the body is the last thing to be delivered. So in the spirit, we should work to bring forth fruit, but not labor to bring forth fruit. The problem is if you are in childhood or an adolescent, you may be laboring and not just working. We then as workers together with him, we work with God. But if you are laboring to bring forth, then that's part of the curse, see, because by the sweat of your brow, I will greatly multiply your sorrow. That's part of the curse. And when you find yourself struggling year after year to produce godly fruit, you are laboring and not working. You have not come to the place where you see who you are in God and who God is. And you maybe you are still in the vine, but there's a blockage. And it could be a mental blockage. It could be the way you think. When I was a child, I thought as a child. I understood as a child and I spake as a child. It could be the way you think. That's why I say a lot of this was taught to us. And now we have to, and, and, and it's harder to unlearn something than it is to learn it. Listen, the Apostle Peter says, in order for us to take that anguish and the toil out of the process of bearing fruit, we have to do something. And it's found in the second chapter of 1 Peter. I mean, I'm sorry, it's found in 2 Peter, verse uh, chapter 1. And the Apostle Peter says, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, 
Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. That sounds like fruitfulness. Anytime something is multiplied, this, be this began to multiply as it grew. It multiplied. That seed that was planted for this was multiplied as it grew. The multiplicity of life is embedded in your growth. If you're not growing, there is no multiplication in your life. You're living in singleness, and you are wondering, why am I not enjoying being saved? Why am I not enjoying the things that God say I should be enjoying? And it could be that you're not growing. He said, grace and peace be multiplied in you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby is given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. My God, Selah for a second. That's a Selah moment. Think on that. That we may be partakers of the divine nature. My God. Who can defeat you when you learn who you are? He said that grace and peace will be multiplied through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. And he goes on to say that whereby is given to us a seed and great and precious promises that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But listen to this. He said, but besides this, we have to give all diligence. We got to be diligent about this thing. Add to your faith virtue. Into virtue, knowledge. Into knowledge, temperance. And into temperance, patience. Into patience, godliness. Into godliness, brotherly kindness. Into, brother, into brotherly kindness, charity. When man fell because of his disobedience, back in Genesis, these things were no longer a part of his makeup. But he said that if these things be in you and they are bound or they come forth, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you lack these things, you are blind, he's saying, you cannot see afar off and have forgotten that you have heard from your Old sin. Let me tell you why that's significant. Because the Bible says about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I love the scripture. These having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they confess them and embrace them. They used to tell me that faith was blind. They so take a blind leap of faith. Leap of faith. Faith is not blind. People will just put things on love and they say, I love them, that's why I let them beat me. Love is not stupid. Love is very intelligent. Love is a decision and not goosebumps. 
And the reason I put the two together is because in the book of Galatians, it says faith worketh by love. And if you don't have faith, you cannot see afar off. You can't see afar off. And so there can be no fruitfulness in your life because the Bible said that Christ, when he, he endured the cross, because he considered the things that was beyond the cross. How can we become fruitful? We become fruitful when we consider what's on the other side of what's trying to hinder us. We got to consider what's on the other side. Especially if we're still struggling with something that's been a problem for years. We know what that's like. What Satan don't want you to uh, understand and what he don't want you to see is what fruitfulness is like. He don't want you to see that. Why? Because he can't stop you. See, when the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, the Greek says he is a creation that never existed before. Satan don't know what to do with you. All saints ain't the same. You understand? Just like your DNA is different. Everybody have a different measure by the Holy Ghost to do various things. And when we all come together, we make up the, the one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan don't want us to realize the strength we have when we come into oneness. In the book of Genesis, the Lord himself said, Behold, the people are one. And whatever they decide, I'm paraphrasing, decide to do, we can't stop them. The Lord said that himself. Satan don't want us to know that. At the Tower of Babel, when God wanted to scatter them, he confused the languages. And uh, in the New Testament, the language is no longer confused. Why? God bought it, but we, we speak, Paul said, speak the same thing. Mind the same thing. When we don't speak the same things, there's confusion. And so, and the result is we scatter. Because you don't understand me, I don't understand you. Oh, that's what, has, that's what has happened to the church, the body of Christ. Satan has told us that we don't speak the same language. And so we scatter. We got the church of God in Christ. We got the church of God in prophecy. We got Southern Baptists. We got uh, 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 all kind of churches. Methodists. Independent Baptist, everybody. Uh, 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 we got the Jesus only. Everybody, we don't speak the same thing. And it's a trick of the enemy. But it's a sign of being immature. Listen to this, and I'm closing. To add anything following salvation will require great diligence act by the Christian. This requirement will omit many. Many people are not willing to be diligent. Many people are not willing to go the extra mile. Many people are looking for themselves to be cults. And they're looking for themselves to be uh, 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 nourished and looking for themselves to be patted on the back. And when they don't get that, it becomes a blockage. And you are letting something that somebody has done to you 
block the eternal life of God from getting to you. The two just don't make sense. How would I let something that my wife has done to me hinder me from receiving the eternal life of God in my life? It just don't make sense. It's not a good trade-off. Some people, you know, and I, I, we don't gamble. But I'm glad we don't because a lot of people, if they did gamble, based on how that they uh, 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 do things, Brother Trevor, they will lose every time because any time you say, she done this to me or he done this to me, and therefore I'm going to go home and sit down. When you say that, it's not a good trade-off. You lose it. You're going to lose. Why? Because you have separated yourself or you have uh, 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 ceased to allow the power or life of God to flow to you because you are upset. Listen to this. Jesus in the book of, I mean, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, verse 2, I mean, uh, 53rd chapter, this is what the Bible talks about Jesus. They say, he was a root out of, out of dry ground. Isaiah said, Lord, who shall believe our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Jesus, the root out of dry ground. But he was cut off. They cut him off. And they planted him, didn't realize what they were doing. Planted him. And when they planted him, Jesus said in the 22nd chapter, verse 16 of the book of uh, Revelation, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Jesus said in John 14, 19 to 20, Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will live also. Why? Because all men are in him. When I am raised again, when I come up out of the earth, you would know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. When the vine springs up. He said in John 12, chapter, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bring forth much fruit. When Jesus was planted, we were raised in him. Paul shows us the significance of baptism. Listen to what he said. I love this. For if we have been planted together, oh God, whoo, if we have been planted together, I want to be baptized again. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. I'm in him. In closing, saints, the sum of the things I have stated, the, the, the various parts, is we live in him. It's in him that we live, we move, and have our being. When, we come out, when, when, when he came out of the grave in uh, uh, the second division of Psalms, uh, David quoted and he said, Thou art my beloved son, this day have I begotten thee. Paul put it in context in the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, 33rd verse. 
he said, God has fulfilled, he's talking to the, the children of Israel, God has fulfilled the same unto his children, talking about Abraham, in that he raised up Jesus again. Listen to what he's saying. He has raised up Jesus again. The root that was cut off, God has raised it up again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my beloved son, this day have I begotten thee. So if he sent it to Jesus, he sent it to every last one of us. Now we are not the begotten sons of God. There's only one begotten, but we are sons and daughters of God because we are in him. When God raised up Jesus from the dead, we were in him. And that everything Jesus is, the attributes, the life that's flowing in him is in us. We are not weak. Satan told us a lie. TV tells us a lie. I was looking at good times the other day, and I said, Lord, when I came up, I didn't see this. Do you notice every time James or anybody in that family got ready to come out, something would always happen? They were never able to come out, and we looked at that, and that was a good show, we thought. But it was teaching us that we can't make it. And how many shows we look at that teach us we can't make it? Satan, Satan is, oh, man, he is tricky. And he's embedded this stuff. And we are feeding upon it. Feeding upon it. James, when he was going for an interview, and he thought for sure he was going to get the job, he got down there, sorry, you're too old. I mean, always something. Listen to this. That root that they rejected, that they killed, and God caused to spring up, that root, it's referred to in Psalms 118, verse 22 through 23. It said, the stones with the builders rejected or refused it's become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. So it's something that God doing, he done on that particular day that was so amazing to us. When we consider it, it's going to be hard for us to understand. It's going to be hard for us to believe. Why? It's marvelous in our eyes. Grace is hard for us to understand. Listen what the psalmist say. He go on to say, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen to what he say. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. When God makes your situation turn around, that's the point he's going to send prosperity. That's the point where he's going to call you to multiply and become fruitful. As long as there's no blockage, as long as there's not anything that's hindering you, then the life of God can flow to you and cause you to be prosperous in everything that you do. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish. So do have dominion, God said. Christ restored that to us. Listen, I know when many people sing the song, this is the day, this is the day, I understand that. They are referring to every day, and that's fine. Because every day is the day the Lord has made. But 
in the context of the scripture, he's talking about the day that God raised Jesus from the dead. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Send prosperity, O Lord. Now send prosperity. Why? Because you see yourself as resurrected in him. When you see yourself as resurrected and strong in him, you are in the place now that you can be prosperous. You are in the place now where God can send prosperity. He said in the 15th chapter of John, he said, I am the vine, my father is the husband, every branch in me that bears fruit. He go on to say that if it don't bear fruit, my father will take it away. He said, you are clean by the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except you abide in, the, abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide, abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. There is a dimension in God where we can ask what we will. And God will give it to us. Why? Because we understand the principle of being fruitful. We understand that, yeah, in your young Christian uh, 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 state, you may see yourself as laboring. You labor to bring forth. But eventually, you just work along with God. You work with God. Why? Because you see what he's already done. And so if you see what he's already done, then you don't have to beg him for it. You don't have to try to talk him into it. All you got to do is make sure what is done in the heavens will be done in the earth. And God's plan for us is to be fruitful and multiply. He planted us in Christ. He brought Christ up from the, grave, from the grave and we are in him. And it's hard for us to conceive in our minds that the life of God is flowing in us. Paul goes on to say, and this is my last scripture, we see the good news when, 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 when Paul talks about in the book of Galatians. He said, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Listen to what he said. When Christ, who is our life. He didn't say, when Christ, who giveth us life. He is our life. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life of God is in me. I am not, Bishop said last week, let the weak say I'm strong. We have to be firmly planted in him. We have to be careful that we don't allow anything to come in the way and block the life of God from flowing to us. God's desire and plan for us is to be fruitful and to multiply, to stop laboring so much. That's a stage we have to go through. But once we see who we are, the labor ceases. Paul said, let us strive that we may enter into his rest. 
when we enter into his rest, it's because we see him seated at the right hand of the Father, and we see ourselves seated in him, and we're no longer struggling. If we are struggling, it is an indication that we are still immature. Let us all stand. Hallelujah.